Hello, lifers, and welcome to another episode of Because Life Can Be a Niche Podcast. I am so glad to have you here joining us in the living room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're listening, thank you for listening. Please make sure that you keep downloading and subscribe. But we'd love for you to come over to the YouTube channel and watch us as well. Life Can Be a Niche is the name of the channel. And be sure to hit the subscribe button. It's, it's, it's free. It won't cost you anything and we really appreciate the support and and definitely welcome you into the living room into our community and you guys know how we always start you know well before let me just say you can reach me on instagram facebook and twitter at katie bryant writes and on the blog katie and of course y'all and you know i'm excited about my tea of the episode this is um it's not teacup but it's my cup and i love it definitely let us know inboxes and let us know if you're interested and a because life can be a niche cup that is just a handy bright brain your day look at that orange look how it just brightens up but you guys let me tell you what the tea of the episode is because i just tried this tea forgot i had the tea and and put it away because i was like oh let me put this away and i'm gonna save it i don't know why i do that i buy all these different teas and i just want to save some and try them later and all this kind of stuff Anyway, it went in the back of the pantry and I found it and it's, it's just wonderful. It's Florence. It's a Harney and Sons tea. It's called Florence. It has like a chocolate flavor to it, which was kind of intriguing, but also it's like a little nutty flavor as well. But it is so, so good. That is the tea of the episode. So toast to Florence. Um, get yourself some. Give it a try. Some loose leaf tea. Y'all know. I love my rock sugar, my amber rock sugar to go with it. Uh, but anyway why we're here today and I'm just I always say I'm so excited about our guests and I really do get excited about our guests but you guys we are talking about the sex we t- we're talking about sex today uh if you didn't hear me um but don't don't get too excited it's not it's not what you think um we're talking about the talk when do you talk to your kids about sex? And our guest today is just a wonderful uh, counselor and she is so down to earth and just has her stuff together and will help us parents navigate through this conversation um, because you may be thinking, well, at what age should we start talking to our kids about sex? And you would be surprised. So if you have a baby or child or some small little person that you're taking care of or you're filing on your taxes their their dependents you might be ready to go ahead and come on in the living room and have a seat and talk because we should be talking to our kids sooner than we probably think or maybe sooner than we were talked to about sex but this conversation is one that i cannot um, express how important it is because our kids are facing so many things i'm a mom of boys i have an 11 year old and a 13 year old and it's you know we're approaching we're in that area where they're being hit with things from their friends the internets need i say more um but then you know natasha helps us to navigate the hard conversations and and they're not hard conversations when you hear how easy it is uh, you got to get into this. You got to come in the living room and get into this conversation. But we talk about everything from molestation to porn to how soon should you talk about it? How should you address body parts? How do you define love? Um, so many different things. And I'm so excited. She's from South Africa and I, and her time zone is nighttime. I'm so glad she joined me in the living room just to 
Help Parents. Uh, she is the creator of Let's Explain, a program to help parents and teenagers navigate this difficult, not really difficult, but a little bit uncomfortable conversation. Um, and I just know you guys are going to love her. So anyway, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the intro. Let's get into it. Welcome into the living room. Welcome to Because Life Can Be a Niche. Welcome, Natasha Visser. Uh, hello, lifers, and welcome again to another episode of Because Life Can Be a Niche podcast. I am so excited today because I have Natasha Visser with us, and we are going to talk about sex. So, so get ready because it's going to be a very interesting conversation because we're talking about not grown people, our little people, and how we address the sex talk with them. Uh, but before we do that, Natasha, will you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be in this particular profession? Thank you, and thank you for having me today. So, yes, I'm Natasha, and I'm from South Africa. And, um, yeah, I grew up here. I live here. And how I got into the profession, I must say, uh, my mother normally tells me, I never thought you will do this for a living. <laughs> she told me the other day. So, um, yeah, she finds it also weird that I'm doing this. But I, I love my, um, my profession or it's more a passion of doing this. But how it came to be, uh, I actually studied um, commerce. I was uh, in the business world, in the banking industry and all of that. And then when I got kids, um, my husband said, okay, are you going back to the corporate environment? I said, um, I don't really want to. <laughs> and then he asked, okay, what do you want to do? So I asked him, can I study psychology? He said, sure, <laughs> if you do something, do it, uh, go all the way. So I <laughs> went and got my honest degree in psychology. And then actually what prompted the whole sex um, topic or um, that drive me into this direction is mm -hmm. the first five years when I got training as a counselor, I worked in an unplanned pregnancy counseling center. And I worked for about five years with young teens. Uh, the youngest girl that I counseled, I think was 12 years old, if I can remember correctly. And she actually carried her baby to term. And um, I found that in that period of time when I worked with those kids and teenagers that they, um, they didn't know much. They were sitting there and they and the most of the time when I heard when I was talking to them, said, nobody told me this. I wish I knew this before. My parents never told me this. Nobody talks about this. I'm just getting the answers as I go along and look where I'm sitting now. Having STD tests and pregnancy and making this life-altering decisions at a teen years without any knowledge. And that uh, tucked on my heartstrings. And as I was growing my business and starting to do be a professional counselor, coaching with this sex topic came up all the time. And then I created now, um, now this is what I do. I still counsel, but my coaching practice focus on helping parents to talk to their kids about sex. Because I want to let the parents know the kids want to talk. The kids need information. We need to help them. Let's not do damage control when already those bad things has happened. And I believe sex is beautiful. Sex is a, a beautiful creation that God made. And if we start the conversation positively, our kids can make healthy decisions. And don't just say, don't do it, don't get here, and don't, don't get pregnant, and all that negative connotations with the talk. So my um, life aim is to help parents start to talk with, conf with confidence positively. And, yeah, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> That is, that is a great, I mean, 
I guess I never really thought about it that way. That is such a great story because um, I don't know. It's I'm 47 and I remember my mom talking to me about sex a little bit when I when I started my period. And and that's when and I was like 13 years old, I think, at the time. And so but I remember thinking, oh, no, now I can get pregnant. You know, it was so many scary things happening. And I was quite older then. But I guess just jumping right into it. When should we start talking to our kids about sex? So the earlier we start, the better. OK. And the thing is the Society has changed. Um, uh, technology and um, we are in a, a sex-saturated world. And that causes us to start much earlier with like your mother at 13. I get parents that wanting to start at eight. But if they ask me <laughs> my professional opinion, if you want to do it right, let's do it right. I start to the talk when our kids, my kids were two. And if your kids are as young as two, you can start. So we start with little bit bread, breadcrumbs, like a little okay. journey starting from two. So we start with two. It sounds so scary. Oh, no, that woman is crazy. But that... <laughs> So I'm saying that's the talk, but the thing is, it's going to be a continuous conversation throughout their lives. And that when you start earlier, you are more comfortable and your child will be more comfortable because you started the conversation early. So when I say start the conversation at two, I'm not telling you, you should tell them how babies are, where babies come from. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. They can't handle that information. But starting at two means that you start teaching your children using the correct words for their body parts you know using penis and vagina okay and saying that is your special parts nobody touched there okay mm -hmm. and starting there that's then you already started your talk okay and you're already comfortable using those words and then as they grow older they will start asking where the babies come from and then you will talk more about how a baby grows and you focus on that. And then as they get a little bit older, they will say, okay, how does the, the sperm and the egg comes together? And that's the big, big right. fear. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one we don't want. <laughs> but that is, the, yeah, they don't want to say that. Okay. So, but as you are working your way up through the young years, your kids can see you are comfortable with the conversation and they can ask you and you will give them honest answers and that sets the stage for you to be the main source of information because what happens is parents come to me and say uh, my kids ask all these weird questions about masturbation and pornography and they're freaking out now that is scary questions yes i agree but when we start as early as to using the right words showing your kids you are comfortable because your your kids will be as comfortable as you are with the topic and if it's a part of your natural child development giving them all the information they need as they grow older when those harder questions come up you can say, well, that's a good question. Let's talk about that. I'm so glad you're thinking about that and are comfortable to talk to me about it. But if you just jump in at 13, that's the hard part. And then it might be very uncomfortable for a parent. <laughs> that, is the, that is the hard part. I feel like, I don't know, Natasha, I kind of feel like I might be behind the eight ball a little bit because I have an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old boy. And I have always used the correct words with them 
Um, and they have had questions, but I wonder, like, did I, did I do enough when they were younger to kind of start planting those seeds? Because now the questions they ask, I'm like, wait, why, where'd you get this from? So I'm wondering if I, if I waited too, too late. So for those parents who have like maybe toddlers or or younger kids, and, and when you say introducing it and using correct terminology, then would you suggest they sit down and just have a special time to talk or just let the conversation come up naturally? Or how would you start? Yes. So my whole premise is you do it natural as they grow older and you set it up with a very comfortable actually catching them off guard, that it becomes normal part of conversation, sort of special conversation. It must be special conversation. It's not like table conversation with your little brother or, you know, that's not age appropriate because you've got different age kids, okay? Mm -hmm. But it becomes a natural. So the first time I I told my son about, uh, or actually my husband did it, to say what is his special part, okay, his penis. So, you know, parents use like uh, funny words like pee-pee or something like that. <laughs> when they say little, okay, and that's sweet, and that's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. at a point when they reach more understanding, we need to introduce the right words, saying what the words are. So my husband actually, as they were um, getting ready for bed and putting on the underpants and stuff like that, he said, "Okay, you know the right word for your PP is actually a penis." Mm-hmm. And now. Our first language is Afrikaans, and my son took that as the English version of PP, so it was actually funny. <laughs> but um, that was his first introduction. And then as he's growing older, when we are, when he is, that's our time when we talk, me, uh, me and my son and my husband and, uh, and my son. It's when we are driving in the car and we are alone in the car and we have questions or we talk and I bring stuff up. So I tell parents, bring the conversation up. Don't be scared not to bring it up. You start asking interesting questions, not probing or uh, interrogating questions. You ask probing questions, okay? You're not interrogating your child. So I actually, just before our conversation, because here in South Africa, it's now 8 p.m., 8 p.m., I think, okay? Mm -hmm. So we had dinner, and uh, my son was there, and I was just doing a check-in with him, uh, more about the understanding of love, and how what he heard from us what what does that mean and I when you were asking your kids are 11 and 13 what should I do maybe you should do a check-in because I did just a general tick check-in and say okay what does love mean to you from everything I taught you in like one sentence describe love for me and that was a good check-in so I didn't go to sex but it was a good check-in to see, okay, what did he understand and what is still left for me to teach or mm-hmm. to inspire or to have a discussion about, uh, with, okay? So, mm-hmm. and that might be a good place for you to start. Maybe say, um, for your 11-year-old, what does the word sex mean to you when you drive to soccer practice or something, mm-hmm. okay? So mm-hmm. make sure you have like 20 minutes and just say, have you heard the word sex? What does that word mean to you? And just have a check-in and mm-hmm. see where's his understanding and then you say, well, that's interesting. Okay, um, tell me more. Where did you hear the word? What do you understand by that? And then you just get to understand where they are. And they, you're not too late. You're never too late. You, start where you are. <laughs> okay. But I will suggest when your child is a little bit older and you didn't work your way up gently, mm-hmm. start where you are and get, a, get an idea where your child is. Okay. 
And and when you hear that idea, because I, what I'm hearing you say too is not to ask any like interrogation, like where did you, who told you that? So when you're talking, you just keep it light and just figure out what they think. And then as they are sharing, then you start to share more truths. If you find out they're kind of confused or they have the wrong information. Yes, yes. So you never share first. You first check in with your child, okay? So when they say, I've got like three questions, my go-to questions, okay? (laughs) Maybe the listeners can write that down. Okay. get your pens and write this down. (laughs) So the first question is, uh, when you ask, um, let's use that scenario, we say we're in our car. So the first, you set yourself up for success. So you plan for a little drive, okay, on the way somewhere, okay? And then why I want you to do it in a drive, I love shoulder-to-shoulder conversation, especially when they reach their teenage years. When you're going to sit them down across the table and ask it eyeball-to-eyeball, you, (laughs) they're not going to interact, okay? So when both of you are viewing the road, you know, when you are viewing where you're going, they are more likely to open up. Okay, and you are both a little bit less uncomfortable. So set yourself up for success. So even if you're uncomfortable, at least your face doesn't overreact and scare them away. So you watch the road. <laughs> okay. Right. So, then, so then you introduce the question, uh, the like start. So have you heard the word sex? What do you understand about sex or something like that? A natural question. And then they will might make a statement and maybe a shocking statement that. You know, oh, oh my God, goodness, this is not what they're supposed to know. Oh, goodness, what now? You know, and then we get that panic attack. So you just breathe and relax. And then you ask, this is the first question. What do you mean by that? That's a lovely open question. Not, not confronting them, just getting them to their heart. What do you mean by uh, you saw that? Or what do you mean by... Um, boy and girl or whatever statement they say or I know everything already we heard it at school okay um what did you hear what do you mean by you heard everything what is everything in your mind can you see you can ask a relaxing question that's a good question Mm -hmm. and then when they say something that might be um contradicting to what you uh, to your values or standards or you know something like that that is really oh my goodness that type of situation okay then that second question is how did you come to that conclusion okay because that's important We need to know where our kids are being exposed. What are they exposed to? So we keep kids safe, but we are in a world filled with sexual imagery, um, advertisement, social media. Uh, The kids talk in schools. Now, I've got this other lady the other week, actually last week. (laughs) She said, don't worry about my son. He's fine. He's still innocent. So I thought, that's you believe your child is innocent? I don't believe the kids are evil, not at all. But the thing is, they get so exposed in front of all the other kids in the class. And remember, the other kids in the classroom or at sports or wherever, um, they have all the brothers and sisters. So you, even if it's your oldest child and you feel they're still innocent, they don't have a phone or whatever, they hear the other kids talk. And that innocence is actually what gets them in trouble because they don't know. And because the mother believes they're still innocent or the father or whoever, okay, they don't bring it up, then the kid gets confused because they don't know actually the truth. They just hear what kids are telling them and it's all distorted. Okay, so that's why that question is so important. How did you come to that 
conclusion or that information or how do you understand that you want to get where that information so is it that sexual idea based on pornography based on an eight-year-old's experience or understanding that's a good question to ask and only after that only after you have got to your child's heart and heard them don't jump in and preach okay <laughs> resist that temptation <laughs> so my big no-nos for parents is don't preach don't preach go into a discussion mode think about discussion and discussion means you ask questions whoever asks the questions control the conversation and we tend to Forget about that as parents. If you ask more questions, you can guide your child with the questions in a direction. But if you're just preaching, they, after two minutes, they're not even listening anymore. <laughs> they, they totally tuned you out. <laughs> Especially the teenagers. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so after you make sure you checked in, you discussed, you heard their heart, you, you led the questions in a direction, only then you can say, have you considered? That's your third question. Have you considered um, that there's another way of approaching sex? Have you seen the way uh, certain people act when they do this or that? And then you have some suggestions and not a preaching session. <laughs> you guide gently, guide them. And you remember, they're still young. When you, they are young, they're still influenced by you. That's why it's so important for me when we start early, we have the most influence. From the age um, when they are born until they are six, seven-year-old, uh, old, we have the biggest influence in their lives. When they become eight to, 60, uh, eight to uh, 13, their mm -hmm. coaches and their teachers has the biggest influence. And when they're 13 to a young adult or, you know, 21 or whatever, their peers have the, has the biggest influence. Now, what do our, we as parents do? No, they're too young. We shouldn't have to talk. Okay. You missed your influence window. <laughs> your influence window is still up till eight. And now the teachers and the coaches and the friends has the influence. So use, so even that should be a motivation. Start early uh, when you still have the influence to guide them and say, have you considered, have you seen it this way? How define love and things like that when you still have the influence in your child's life. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is such good advice. And I love the questions because I never... And you're right. When you're riding in the car, we talk about everything. Everything comes up when we're just riding to school or, or going someplace. They just kind of relax and, and talk. And I never thought about that's the time to bring up sex. <laughs> Yes. And then we have a rule in our car is that we're not allowed to type on your phone or be on your phone while we are driving. Because yeah. I'm, I'm not an Uber. If you want the Uber, get an Uber. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> so my kids know that when we're driving in the car, even it's the same for me when we are driving as a family and my husband would be driving, I'm, my phone is in my bag. My phone is never out in the car because mm -hmm. that is a beautiful time to talk. There's no distractions, but we can bring in the distractions. But if you have the phones away, you're not an Uber, use that opportunity to talk to each other. <laughs> That is, that's great advice. And, and my kids are guilty because the first thing they do sometimes when I pick them up from school is they grab their devices because they haven't been on them all day yes, and yes. they start that. So we'll, we'll start that. Just put it away and let's just talk. Just, that's a perfect idea. So now here's my question for you, Natasha. And I don't, 
it's, it's a little different. So I shared with you before when we talked that I'm a divorced mom. And so I have two boys. So what do you say about mom talking to boys about sex or dads talking to girls? I mean, is there any differentiation? Does it matter? Um, yes and no, and it depends. <laughs> That's so not an answer that you want. <laughs> so actually, it, uh, it depends on the relationship. So for me, if, uh, I first would like to ask, parents who's listening why do you want to have the the talk about sex the talk with your kids because if you are a mother or father your why needs to be clear okay because it's not i know if you have a why why do you want to talk to your kids about sex it's because you want them to make healthy decisions you want them to have good relationships one day that is most of the time the why it's not because of the uncomfortability now if you have that why that's going to push you to have the conversation if you have a son or a daughter or you are a mother or a father, okay? Because you want to bestow your values on your child and you want to help them make healthy decisions, all right? And then both the father and the mother has different perspective on certain things, like you said, menstruation, okay? So that's where we get a little bit, okay, now my, my, I, I'm, I'm a single mom and I have boys or girls or the other way around. That's where the concern comes. But I don't want us to fixate on that, okay? The thing is we shouldn't stop the conversation because I'm not a man, you know, and I can't talk to my boys. So to be quite honest, in my car, um, shoulder to shoulder conversation with my son, my son asked me about wet dreams. He didn't ask his dad. He asked me. Okay. And uh, as we were driving, the conversation were going and he was thinking about stuff and it naturally led to, so he asked now, where does all the sperm go uh, if there's so many, so, so many of them produced every day? So that's a good question. You can see his mind is going there because we were talking about puberty. And, mm-hmm. um, and I gave him the answer and, and maybe from a, we think it should be from a guy, but I gave him the answer and mm-hmm. it was a true answer. Now, a father and mother obviously have different experience how you would talk to a, your, a woman, talk to a daughter about the experience of menstruation versus a man. It is different, but we want, you can still talk about it. Doesn't matter your sex of your father or mother, you can still talk about it. And then you can still um, lay the foundations of open conversation. And if you need more information from a guy, from it, from your dad or from whoever, uh, uh, maybe a grandparent, let's go and ask them, okay, to get their perspective. Because I know, like, for boys with testosterone and maybe getting uh, that erections when they're just sitting in the class, you know, that puberty time. Mm-hmm. I actually talked to my son about that as well. <laughs> I, also, <laughs> I, think about it. I actually also did. Because the thing is, I started so early. It's natural conversations. Right. So it's natural conversation. that, And the thing is, we should shy away from that shyness or guilt or, um, you know, you should be ashamed that you get an involuntary erection. I mean, that's good. Your puberty, that is supposed to happen. It's, a, it's not a bad thing. Okay, and then we are uh, shy away from that. But then our children need us to say, it's okay, your body is developing. Okay, it's a good thing. 
You will feel uncomfortable. I assure you will feel uncomfortable. Now, I'm a mom. I don't know how it feels, but you might feel self-conscious because everybody's looking at you. So if you put yourself as a, as a woman, when you started menstruating, you were feeling like everybody knows I stopped. You know? <laughs> I just put myself I don't know if it's the same for men but I told my son this it feels like everybody is seeing it but nobody is seeing it so rather talk about that fear and that shame because that's actually what you want to talk about uh, to say you are developing that's a good thing and when you feel ashamed um, it's actually not something to be ashamed of nobody sees it but you're so brave talking to me about it Okay, and then just talking when they talk, they can release some of their anxieties and fear about that. And that's already like uh, a race half one with your kids. So, um, yeah, so maybe I gave a long answer to a short no, question. That's perfect. <laughs> but we, uh, we do have different inputs as a man and a woman to puberty and all of that. But don't shy away because you're not a you're not their father, okay? You okay. can still start the conversation because they're still uncertain and you can't wait for him to talk. You don't know, uh, I don't know how your relationship, but if you don't, uh, if, if they don't see him often or you don't know what he's going to say, then you still, that's important, what you are, you want to talk to, the, to them about that. So start the conversation. That is, that's great advice. And Okay, so let's say you start the conversation and, and what you said about, um, I guess, wet dreams. Yeah. What, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm wondering, did I get it right? Did I answer it right? Because I did, you know, the textbook information uh, and why it happens and, yeah. and what it means. But yeah. What, give us a little, just give us a little tip of what do you say when they ask? Okay, so uh, I actually talked to my son about it before it happened, okay, before, okay, uh, yeah. okay so, you, and that's one of my biggest things when I teach, I coach parents on this, is don't wait until your children show, is in puberty, okay, start at the puberty, you want to start puberty conversations about menstruation and wet dreams you want to start that conversation before they hit puberty we tend to wait until puberty the reason for that is uh, you know the kids uh, they don't all start the same age obviously some start earlier so normally you need to start when you see their friends are starting to breach puberty you need to make sure you talk about wet dreams and menstruation the reason for that is remember those kids are telling your kids uh, things okay right and and that scares them all right and mm -hmm. they give a lot of, so I do sex ed at school so I go to school and I talk to the kids about puberty and stuff like that mm -hmm. and you get the weirdest questions like the girls think like uh, it's going to be like a tap of, of water opening and it will be everywhere you know <laughs> like these and they scare each other all right <laughs> so yeah, so you need to have that conversation uh, before. And the boys got this idea that their whole beds will be like wet and they will need to, you know. <laughs> and then they have this idea with wet dreams that they must have a dream. And that's also a myth. You right. not always have a dream when that happens. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So when they have a wet dream, sometimes it just happened. They were fast asleep. They didn't have a dream. And mm -hmm. now they think there's something wrong with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then some boys don't even have wet dreams because actually, according to biology, some of the sperm can go th out through their urine and it's not actually coming out through wet. Remember, that's when it builds up and yeah, there's too much right. and it come out. So sometimes it goes through, out through urine and not through a wet dream. So now the boys are scared that, oh, is there something wrong with me? I'm not having a problem. <laughs> Where am I wet dreams? <laughs> so I have these boys raising their hands in class. Ma'am, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> so do you see how many fears they have? So yeah. how do you start? So I started with my son way before he hit puberty. Okay. I said, have you ever felt that, you're, uh, that it just becomes hard in the class and you didn't do anything and... So I started there. I started the conversation there. And then I said, well, that's good because that means you you're going to become a man and that means you are producing sperm. So that was one conversation. And then he said, oh, that's interesting. And then we talked more about being shy. And everybody was looking at him and we just gave him some comfort there. And then about a week passed and we, was, we were driving to some place. We dropped off his sister for activity and we, was, we were driving. And of course, I talked about that. He was thinking about, now, where does all the sperm go if there's so many produced every day? Because that's also some of the biology I taught. And I said, well, that's a good question. So sometimes at night when you sleep, it will come out. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you will feel like your pants is a bit wet. You don't need to be ashamed. You just take it off go and throw it in the, uh, the, the bin and then put something else on. You don't need to feel ashamed about this. Uh, it's not that you have a dirty mind if you dreamt about something. It's, can you see, it was just a natural conversation. It was easy flowing because we had snippets of conversations as we go along. Building and, up. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he can process only a little parts at a time. You know, I didn't bombard him with all. So he was processing the idea and he thought about the next question. How beautiful mm -hmm. is that? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then because we had the continuous conversation, he asked me, where does it, okay, where does it go? When does it come out? He didn't even know it came out. I explained then where dreams, because he just was, where does all that uh, millions and billions of sperm <laughs> come <from? laughs> All right. And so then uh, we didn't shame I didn't shame because there's no shame in it. Okay. I'm glad I'm going to get grandkids. <laughs> there needs right. to be <laughs> now. I don't want grandkids now, but eventually, you know. That's so true. we celebrate puberty um, with respect. Now, I must say mm -hmm. it is a natural conversation because it's a natural development of your child's body. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we always handle it with respect. Okay, so it's not a loose conversation that we have with everybody about everything. So I always premise this when I talk to kids at school, not just with my kids, say, listen, this is something beautiful and something special. We don't just share this at the pool when everybody is swimming, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, because we do get kids that um, actually tell their friends about all these stuff. And yeah. yeah, so you don't want your child to be that one to go and blab out everything to everybody mm -hmm. that we don't know what maturity level each child is so you need to be sensitive to that so i normally tell my kids remember this is a 
special conversation I'm privileged to talk to you about. And don't take that away from another parent. They will also talk to their kids. Now, I hope parents mm -hmm. see that as a privilege. I see it as a privilege to uh, teach our children about the beauty of their body and how God created us. Right. I, I love that. And that's perfect advice and the perfect lead into my next question. So what if other kids have shared things with your children that are maybe not true or I guess at the age where my kids are now, they, they're, they're talking about porn at school. And once you get into those like 13, 14 year age range, what, what do you do then in terms of how do you, how do you have a natural conversation when that's happening? Yes, because that's definitely happening. The average age a child gets exposed to pornography is between 8 and 10. Okay, that's scary wow. statistics. So yeah. you need to start the conversation early. Now, remember, if you want to start, if you want the conversation to be positive, you need to start early. If you're mm -hmm. going to wait until they get exposed to porn, your con first conversation is going to be negative. Okay, and I've got a big deal about that because um, now we're just going about, oh, porn is gross, porn is ugly, sex is ugly, don't do it, it's gross, don't get pregnant, don't get an STD. <laughs> and then, okay, no. <laughs> and then, oh, save that. Then let's put a Christian thing on that, the church. But save all those gross things for your husband one day. I mean, what are we waiting to our kids? <laughs> okay, so... That's why we want to start earlier to talk about it, to say. So when we talk about sex, when we start, okay, let's just say a scenario before they got exposed, okay? So let's mm -hmm. a good scenario. So when we talk about that and we talk specifically about love, all right, the, the definition of love, what is love, is to protect yourself and to make sure you grow to full maturity as a person, the best version of yourself, that is when you, the Bible says, love the, your, the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So that you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. So first love yourself. So if you love yourself, you're going to protect yourself. Anything from hinders you to grow to full maturity to be the best version of yourself. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now when we see a loving relationship, we're going to see a man and a woman protecting each other and loving each other to grow, go, grow to full maturity. So that we show love. We see how love looks like practically, mm -hmm. okay? But now when they see pornography, they need to discern, okay, if love looks like this, right. does this pornography fit into that description? Mm -hmm. So we need to mirror that. We need to reflect to them and show them first what is the beautiful thing about sex. So when we start the conversation positively and show this is beautiful, this is love, mm -hmm. and then when they are exposed to porn, that's lust. So right. they need to be able to discern between love. Love protects, take care, and make sure that the other person is safe. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's what love does. Lust, take. See the person as an object to use for mm -hmm. their gratification. It's selfish. So when you mm -hmm. see that difference, the kids can discern between lust and love. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when our kids have been exposed and we, they don't have that discernment and it's hard. Okay. Because mm -hmm. remember when they reach puberty, they have some urges and itches, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> and 
and then they see these pornography and stuff and that's the hard part because now if they don't understand that there's a difference between love and lust mm-hmm. and the thing is um uh, television and uh, social media tell us sex is love love is sex right yes and that's not it's love, sex is an extension of love it's an expression mm-hmm. of love but now when we see sex in a lustful pornography environment, it confuses our kids. Of course, the thing is, when you marry one day, that's not how it looks like. Okay, it never looks like that. Okay, it never- <laughs> okay not even married. Not even married. <laughs> okay, so and then our kids, they'll confuse them. There's a lot of confusion. And then I must say one thing about pornography I want to add not to add fear in our, uh, us as parents, but it sometimes scares me as well. When we hear the word porn, and we are here in our 40s, 50s, all right? Um, mm-hmm. When we hear that, we see in our mind a naked person or maybe people making love in a bed, okay? Mm-hmm. Having sex. But that's not the pornography out there, okay? The kids that are being exposed to that, it's bestiality. It is group sex. It's rape sex. It's mm. um, it, 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 the things that are, that they when they come to me, uh, I see a lot of teenagers here in my office. And mm-hmm. when they come to me and they explain to me in detail what they saw, because we try to see what is the screensaver. Or I, they, I don't ask them detail, but they are quite verbal to explain. <laughs> okay. And what they explain is like, it's shocking what they've seen. Okay. Because remember, the pornography industry is very dark. And our kids, it's not just like a Playboy magazine in the olden days. Right. Exactly. What we grew up with in the 70s, it's nothing like it's nothing, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And even the questions that the kids ask uh, at my, um, you know, I do it normally for tw- uh, tw- just pre-teens. It's 11, 12-year-olds. The mm-hmm. questions that I asked the last three years in my live sessions uh, is shocking how it changed. Uh, they, they really, you can see they are exposed to very vivid visual, uh, you know, things that we can't even imagine. <laughs> That is really scary. So we need to talk to our kids because when they see that stuff, um, the guilt and shame they feel is also overwhelming. And because they instinctively know that is, so that's not okay. All right. Mm-hmm. But they're still drawn to that. And then we just say, no, no, no. And don't bring up the conversation. And um, our kids struggle and it's hard mm-hmm. for them. So even if they have seen stuff, I will say still, don't guilt and shame. They're not in trouble. Mm-hmm. Praise them for being brave enough to talk to you. That takes a lot of courage for them to say that, and you are in a better position to help them if they can talk to you. Right, exactly. Now, if they have been exposed and they've seen this type of pornography, what does that do to their minds? I, I know you said that it, it confuses them about lust and love, but does it does it get in their psyche in other ways in terms of their sexual development or? Oh yes, <laughs> I can talk an hour about that. <laughs> I can talk very long about that. Okay, you got plenty of time. Take your. T- 
<laughs> so I'll, I'll give a quick short version uh, about that, okay? But it's very important. So our first sexual experience, especially for boys, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't want to pick on boys, but boys are visual, okay? They visually stimulate it, okay? We know that. That's nothing new information, okay? <laughs> but our first sexual experience of a boy, they tend to imprint on that experience what do i mean with imprint so their mind okay form forms neural pathways and they imprint on that that's like a screensaver like i explained to the kids okay it's like a screensaver so uh, i would ask like i've got this one 16 year old uh boy and i ask him the first time uh what he saw okay so just to measure back where it started and i just ask when he could give me a detailed description of what exactly happened, how it happened, how it looked like, what it smelled like, what he saw, everything, okay? Because that mm-hmm. imprints on their brain. And, mm-hmm. and, and that becomes their screensaver. So that becomes their default, okay? And then they think that sort of that six, especially if they're eight or nine. I mean, that is a little boy that then it's a developing brain. All right. Mm-hmm. And now because that is the picture of how sex look like. All right. Mm-hmm. As they grow up, they tend to um, expect that from a woman to do that. And that affects their long-term relationships dramatically. Okay, the same for women as well. Um, uh, Women is a little bit different. So one of the hormones for guys that imprints is vasopressant. Okay, that's the Mm -hmm. um, hormone in their minds. That's actually called the monogamy hormone. So when Mm -hmm. that release, that actually imprints on on his wife. Okay, that's what it's Mm -hmm. created for. That's It's so beautiful how God made it. So Mm -hmm. vasopressant release and say that which I experience I want more. So it's a like a little hormone cocktail, vasopressant and, right. <laughs> and all of that. And mm-hmm. that what you experience, you want that again. But mm-hmm. if that is done the first time with uh, in a loving, uh, committed relationship, I prefer marriage relationship. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. But right. all right. So um, then that that boy imprints on the on that experience with his with his wife. Okay, mm-hmm. but now when it's lustful or in that environment of pornography, mm-hmm. they tend to think that when they someday marry, the desire for pornography will go away. But that's not true. That's mm-hmm. a very big myth. All right. Okay. So we think that when we get married or when I meet my true love, <laughs> okay, <laughs> then all this lust will go away and I will just love this person. But mm-hmm. the thing is, your screensaver, your neural pathways, if you want to use the Bible, has imprinted or has formed a certain way of looking at sex. So that has a specific script. Mm-hmm. And now that lust is not going to go away because you are married. Okay. That right. still has been imprinted in your mind. So I've got this one couple that I've been seeing for a while. Um, and this guy, he can't get sexually aroused with his wife. And for seven years, they didn't have sex for seven years. Okay, they'd been married for some time, but for the last seven years when they ended up with me, they couldn't, he couldn't become sexually aroused. And mm-hmm. um, she was very upset and stuff like that. And, um, and then she caught him watching pornography and doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. And she said, he can become sexually aroused. Actually, the doctor said he can't be, okay, or there's something wrong, okay? Mm-hmm. But there's nothing 
wrong. He was sexually aroused when you watch pornography. So when he, he imprinted on that experience. So his mind can only get aroused when he is in that environment. His mm -hmm. default setting, what he uh, taught himself in his mind, how it should look like. Mm -hmm. Now his wife can't do that. Now think about all the damage that does to the wife. Obviously there's nothing wrong with her, but because mm -hmm. that imprinted happened on his mind and, and a very young age his wife can't do that and marriage don't, can't fix that and that's sort of the myth we think like oh save yourself till marriage but watch porn and masturbate until then no your mind is so powerful and when you mm -hmm. imprint on that first sexual experience it's going to catch up with you when you are when you grow older or when you find that person that you want to be with because mm -hmm. even though you want to be with that person your mind has been altered or the way you have looked at that uh, at, at sex has changed so um that's very scary if you think about that um so it's very important to teach our children now they will get exposed to porn in our world with technology, they will get exposed. Right. But the question is, when they get exposed, do you as a parent have a game plan for your kids? Okay? So it's not that you go, you won't get exposed and you're going to like lock them away in a little room. <laughs> oh, that's not an option. So, so I can't lock them up. <laughs> okay. So that's not an option. So what okay. we need to do you need to know it's not if your going child is going to be exposed it's when your child is going to be exposed okay because mm -hmm. we live in a world where everything is everywhere okay so mm -hmm. when they are exposed what are you going to do so you're going to have an open conversation with your children say listen as great as sex is there's for every up there's a down okay that's the mm -hmm. law of opposites for every left there's a right okay so there is it's beautiful and God made it beautiful, okay? And God is actually not against sex. Nowhere in the Bible it states that God is against sex. He's okay. just against the misuse of sex. Right, right? that's right, yes. Sex, all right? So mm -hmm. it's beautiful. But what does sex misuse of sex look like? And most mm -hmm. of the time you see that in pornography. So remember, we talked about the beautiful side that we will tell for your child, but be yes. careful. You're going to maybe click on something or see something. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, you not say if that happens, you say when that happens. Mm -hmm. You will not be in trouble if you come and tell me immediately. There must always be an open door between you and your child. Because when they see it, they must know they're not in trouble. They can come to you. Because if they come to you, you can say, okay, let's see what filters we can add. Let's see what things we can do differently so that you don't get exposed again. Let's see what, where did you see this? Okay. So did that happen there? Okay. That's fine. It's not your fault that pop-ups come, you know, that pop-ups come and, Things happen, all right? And you, mm -hmm. like I, the other day, <laughs> that was probably not very wise of me, but anyway, my innocent <laughs> brain. So my daughter is with me and she does acrobatics, okay? Mm -hmm. So, and there's certain, uh, po they call it po po poses, poses, you know? Like mm -hmm. pose one, pose two or whatever, okay? So she must stand like on the handstand with her legs in the air and a cross leg or whatever for 10 mm -hmm. seconds. So I tried to figure out this because she's got an exam and I don't know anything about acrobatics. So dumb mom, what do we do? 
Go and Google it. Okay. <laughs> so mom, go and Google it. Now she's standing right there here next to me. And I <laughs> poses. Oh my goodness. That wasn't wise. <laughs> the pictures that came up was not appropriate for my little girl to see. Okay. And can you see? I wasn't looking for it. It just came up. Right. Now that was Yes, it's innocent. I was, we were just looking for that. Mm -hmm. Now, it, it was such a beautiful teaching opportunity. So I, she was standing mm -hmm. there and I said, now, I, I quickly closed it. And I said, mm -hmm. did you see? The, what did you see? She said, no, what did that people do? <laughs> you know? So I said, okay, can you see? I quickly closed it. Why did I do that? Okay. Mm -hmm. She said, so I said, okay, when are you going to see this? Because it's going to happen. Was I uh, malicious or looking for bad stuff? She was standing right next to me. Mm -hmm. She said, no, why did that come up? She said, see, that things are pushed in front of you. So mm -hmm. I'm not a bad person. So I mm -hmm. closed it because I don't want to see that because I want my screensaver to be beautiful. Okay? Mm -hmm. I want my screensaver for that. All right? Mm -hmm. And then, but when it happens, can you see you close it quickly? And now I'm going to check on which sites that came up. So what is wrong with my parent control? Because this is my computer. Okay, mm -hmm. and my kids didn't even use my computer, but I also want that filters. Why does that things comes up? But it still do creeps in. So right. when it happens, you need to have a game plan. Say, okay, you're not in trouble. Tell me what happened. Let's see what we can change. All right. Tell mm -hmm. me what you see that saw. Do you have any questions? Okay. Mm -hmm. Did there something weird happen that you say that doesn't sound like something my mom talked about, <laughs> or dad said something about that, and they'll say. <laughs> And thank them for being honest and open. And it mm -hmm. shows a lot of courage for them to do that. Because they, they naturally think they will be in trouble. Uh, and it's not exactly. their fault. And I must mm -hmm. say, most of the kids that I see, I, I must say 90, 99% of, uh, almost all, my, all of them, but I don't want to say that. <laughs> they stumble onto the things. They don't go and seek it out. So the problem is they stumble on it, and then they start seeking it out. Because mm. it, it's a trap. It's definitely a trap. You can get addicted to those things. And that's how it's been made, especially by the porn industry. They trap you like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then when they come to me, they feel like this ugly people, person that will look for these bad things. But the thing is, because it started, now they start looking for it. But normally when it starts, it's innocent. They stumbled on it. Or oh. a friend showed something and they didn't know what to do with that and then they go and google because we say mm. let, like i just said oh let's mm. go google it that's right we google everything too much <laughs> let's go google six please don't <laughs> yeah you better google right. exactly so now what if they start seeking it out because i'm because i'm imagining you do that in secret or you start sneaking and, and hiding or whatever. What, what if they start to seek that out? What do parents do? Okay. So that's where you need to step up your game. All right. So mm -hmm. normally when kids start seeking it out, so they saw it the first time. Okay. And it felt nice and it felt whatever and all of those things. Then sometimes most of the kids that I, I work with now in my practice. Okay. Um, they have some anxiety or stress at school or something. And they start seeking it out. It first starts with curiosity. And then they start seeking it out as sort of a form of self-medication um, to feel better. 
about school stress, about sports stress, about home stress, whatever, okay? So then it becomes a habit, okay? So to feel better, okay, to make them feel better. So they feel better for that slight moment, and then right after that, they feel horrible. It's almost like self-medicating with alcohol, you know, over-drinking, and then the next day you feel horrible. <laughs> it's right. the same experience that the kids stumble into. So when that happens, we as parents need to know that you need to step up the game. When your child is overwhelmed and stressed, they will be weak and go and seek it out. So you need to create an environment where your child feels safe, all right? And first of it, so that they can come and talk to you. So an illustration that I can give is um, I had this a bucket of fish that I bought for my kids, you know, like this goldfish. <laughs> and so that my girl was very excited about these girls' fish and give them food every day and all of that. But then mm -hmm. one morning when she went to school, I came back, I saw one fish had died. It was lying at the top of the, mm -hmm. <laughs> of the fish tank. <laughs> I, I, I quickly took the one out and I threw it away. And I had mm -hmm. a big, I've got a fish pond outside. So actually the same type of fish I had there. So I quickly went and catch one there and put it back in, in the bucket so that she doesn't see it. Okay. Cause she was stressed out. Actually, she had a big competition coming up that afternoon and I didn't want to talk about the dead fish. So we'll talk about it later, just not today. <laughs> okay. So I threw the fish in and uh, so the morning passed and then I went and uh, fetched them at school. <gasps> and when we got home, all the fish has died. Everything, everyone, oh, even the new one that I threw in. <gasps> so my plan <laughs> didn't work very well. Anyway, so my husband says, now why did you throw the uh, other fish in there as well? I said, no, I explained to him the story. He mm. said, you know, when the fish, when the water is, when a dead fish is in there, the environment of the, of the water is sick, mm -hmm. you know, or, or poison. And that water actually killed everybody, even the healthy fish that I throw in, because that healthy fish dies, died as well. So you can't just throw, take out the fish. You need to clean the environment. Okay. Mm. You need to clean you. No, that's what happened when your kid gets addicted. You need to clean mm -hmm. out the environment. You can't just take the phone away and now every, or take your kid out or whatever. You need mm -hmm. to clean up your environment. And this is the hard part where parents maybe doesn't like me that much. <laughs> but this is the part where you need to step up, okay, and not mm -hmm. punish your child in the sense of, you saw this, now I'm taking your phone away for a month. What does that help? Okay, mm -hmm. you need to make clean house, you know, you need to say, mm -hmm. what caused this? What anxiety are they experiencing? What's the reason they're seeking this out? Okay, while they're still stressed, and they are still not understanding what this damage they did to their brain by watching this, mm -hmm. you need to make sure like, for teenagers, boys, you don't leave them alone at home for an hour, two hours, if they are tempted by this, you don't. Mm -hmm. They drive with you wherever you go. And you say, well, Natasha, I can't do that. <laughs> well, do you want all the fish to die? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's the hard part. Because if you want to break that um, seeking out, I, I'm careful to say addiction, but you can it can become a porn addiction if they seek 
it out continuously over a long period of time. It mm -hmm. can become addiction, but if you want to break that habit, you need to take them out of that environment. They can't be at home alone for hours on end. They need to be stimulated with sports and other activities and doing other things. You need to take the devices out of their rooms. No devices in the rooms. No devices ever in the room, okay? That's just a house rule. And then you need to step up as a parent and say, I won't put any devices in my room. So in our house, we have no devices in our room, not even me and my husband. All our devices is in the study. So that's why I say the parents don't like me if I say this. But... <laughs> <laughs> You need to clean out that tank. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're just going to put your kid back in there and it's going to be uh, involved with the same things again. So just taking their phone away as a punishment. I'm sorry, if you want to have a good conversation, if it, this is important for you, for your, for your child's development, you need to step up. <laughs> mm -hmm. But this yeah. is a hard one. Yeah. It is. That, that is a hard one because like you described with the couple yeah. because of his screen saver that led that followed him into marriage even though I'm I'm sure he probably loves his wife it it's a distorted you know they he can't express his love for her as God intended because in his oh. mind that's the only thing that and I guess the kids start at a young age and they start sneaking and and doing it and and then it's it's there for a very long time Yes, yeah, so that is that is so important. Parents, I hope you guys are writing notes because that is that's very important because now our kids are exposed to everything. Yeah. And it's through video games and through the chat rooms and video games. You you just don't know where or what is lurking yes. out there. So I guess switching gears a little bit, um, because I've had some parents tell me this. What happens? If the kiddos accidentally walk in on you while you are expressing your love for each other, how do you handle that? Okay, that, that is a big no-no. We shouldn't <laughs> let them see that. <laughs> kids asking me in one of my sex ed classes, I can hear my parents doing stuff. <laughs> So they asked me, what should I do if I hear them? I said, well, you go, uh, go and do something else. Why are you so close to them? <laughs> yeah, so, so it is not, our kids, it is something special. So maybe I can step one back with, uh, before I go forward with the answer. It's one of my things that I teach my, when I say I do start the sex talk with your kids early. One of the very big things that I talk to them about uh, when they are two to, two to five, okay, is we use the word private parts, okay, because it's private. Right. I don't like that word. I, I don't, I, I tell parents, don't say that, okay? Private means go in your room and masturbate on your own because that's private, okay? That's right, that's true. Yeah. That's not purity, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, that's, that's mm -hmm. private. So mm -hmm. what I teach my kids and teach parents to teach their children if they think that's a good idea, <laughs> if they want my uh, advice, I say it's your special part, okay? Because you are saving and keeping that special. Your body is special, God created it as a gift. 
you need to keep it special. So it's not private, it's special. Because I had this girl, um, okay, she uh, had um, severe molestation. There was very bad things happened to her. So mm -hmm. there's other things involved as well. But one of the arguments she had with me, or, or not with me, or trying to convince me, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> convince herself, I don't know, she was just trying to convince somebody, I think more herself, to say, well, it's private. It's my private parts, okay? Mm -hmm. But now it came from actually an abusive environment. So it's not private, okay? It's right. special. And that person took away your special, you know? That was mm -hmm. violation, okay? So it's special. It's not private. So mm -hmm. when we talk with our kids there that it's special, can you see how it develops as they grow older? We need to know that when mom and dad is having sex, that is mm -hmm. special. That's mm -hmm. intimate, Okay, and that's not for your eyes to see <laughs> or to hear. Okay, <laughs> not because it's private, it's because it's special. When, what is the difference between a, a married couple and a sing uh, and just uh, uh, people dating or single people? All right, mm -hmm. is that you are sharing something with somebody that nobody else is sharing with you? That is special, that's intimacy. Mm -hmm. Intimacy is, uh, is fueled by exclusivity, being exclusive. Otherwise, it's not intimate. Then it's just physical yeah. sex. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and what we actually want is intimacy. That's what our kids want. That's most of I don't find people that just want sex. Okay, maybe there's people out there, but when we talk with in my marriage counseling situation, they're looking for intimacy. You know, when couples come to me, they're looking for intimacy. That's what they desire. So then when you come out and you, okay, your kids walked in on you. <laughs> <laughs> then I would rather go back to that special conversation and not maybe the private conversation. And then I will apologize maybe to say, well, we were reckless. That wasn't for your eyes to see. But mm -hmm. we do love each other. And that's a good thing. All right. Mm -hmm. And apologize to them. And if they have any questions, you can answer questions. <laughs> okay. Make sure that they are not in trouble. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I would caution parents. I, I don't think it's healthy for kids to see that. But, you know, it can happen. <laughs> and perfect. Um, so uh, it's important to have that open conversation if that mm -hmm. happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. But. Actually, what more questions that I get is actually uh, where uh, kids, when you and your uh, husband is like kissing or let's uh, say smooching, mm -hmm. <laughs> the kids say smooching, smooching. <laughs> so when they do that, um, the kids would say ew or whatever, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like that. Um, but that's also beautiful for kids to see parents doing that. Okay, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. to see healthy relationships. Now, if you don't have a healthy relationship or you're single, this is not to condemn or worry you or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But um, that I also get that. And then that parents say, oh, I won't do that. I say, well, uh, if you appropriate, not, you know, too much, but mm -hmm. a nice piece so that the kids also see, wow, I also want that. You know, when you see that old couples, wrinkling couples walking together, that's so cute. Yeah. yeah. Let's keep our kids still a dream to want that. They, mm -hmm. Why don't just be hopeless? There's nothing out there. There's no hope. Everybody get a divorce. We don't want to communicate that. And with respect, because people are going through divorce, there's a lot of hurt. I work with mm -hmm. a lot. And um, so if you have that, don't be shy, but don't be too much. <laughs> Find a nice balance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And yeah, and then otherwise, uh, when you um, 
uh, when you're single or a single parent, um, show mm -hmm. them also that it's not wrong to ask questions about that. That's also fine, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, exactly. So as long as you're creating that healthy image of this, this not dirty when it's done the right way. Yeah, it's not you're dirty. Good. <laughs> you're good. Yeah, right. but not that your kids see you. Rather try not right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So with that, Natasha, do you say in terms of your body as, as parents, do you want to make sure that that your sons don't see you like getting out of the shower or naked or anything like that? Or the same thing with dads and doors? I never saw my father. I mean, I never. Uh, <laughs> he's very careful about keeping the doors closed, wearing robes and things like that. Does that cause confusion or questions because I know some people who are just free and just you know yeah, walk around yes yes there's a lot of people doing that I'm not criticizing that okay mm -hmm. you do what you feel is comfortable but again if you want to communicate the word special okay mm -hmm. that's special all right so for me and my husband when we share our nakedness <laughs> it is special and with our kids seeing that, it takes that uniqueness away, all right, if my daughter, you know. And it's also about respect. He respects her, her mm -hmm. special body that she is saving for, for her relationships one mm -hmm. or her relationship one day. So, again, so when they are young, don't freak out too much. But as they grow older and understand the difference, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. um, I would start saying, not going freak out, don't come in or whatever like that. I would just <laughs> gently start closing the door or just when they come in and say, I'm busy, I'll be done now, you come in. Mm -hmm. Just a more natural way of moving. Okay, now it's a little bit more special, you understand. So this is something special. So because one of my parts of as we do the conversation as it grows is when they get, um, when they five, six, and they ask explicitly what six, okay, and they're very curious and they mm -hmm. want more information because we get kids like that, okay, that wants much more. Um, but I wouldn't be uh, comfortable, uh, depending on their development and their understanding, to say exactly where the body parts go. I would say that's like my stepping stone. I, and that's what I did with my kids. I said, so sex is when a mother and a father is naked together in the shower. And that's special because only they can see, see each other naked. Okay. So again, I focus on the special and they are naked. But for a six-year-old, it's too much to say everything, you know. Right. So, that, so that's a beautiful place to maybe start that and say, okay, that's why we we close the door okay it's mm -hmm. not for you to see okay you mm -hmm. see it's gentle it's not like rigid laws but mm. you can you because now um when they get older they need to know more obviously sex is not just two people being naked but mm -hmm. for a six-year-old maybe if they are very curious and yeah. it's appropriate with all that ifs okay it might be appropriate to say that and then mm -hmm. again it's Special. So then I won't just show my nakedness or my son or my husband for for his for my daughter because then it's not special anymore. Right. Yeah. That's right. It's, it's exposed. <laughs> You're exposed. Then it's like okay, <laughs> and then that, that can raise questions too. Moving on to a, a little bit of a heavier question for you, and you you went into it a little bit sharing about the young lady in your session, yeah. um, molestation. What if, first of all, as parents, what should we look for 
as signs maybe that someone has violated our child or, and then to follow that up, if they haven't been violated, how do you explain to children like what you do if you feel like someone is inappropriate or, or coming? I know we, we learned good touch, bad touch when I was a kid, but yeah. I think it's so much deeper than that now because kids are exposed to so much more. Yes. So it's so, heavy. So. <laughs> oh, that's heavy. Okay. So um, molestation with uh, adults and stuff like that, mm -hmm. depending on the child's age um, uh, or age, when they're very young, they might do things that sexually not appropriate for that child, you know, for mm -hmm. like a three year old boy, he will, touch himself down there all the time, you know, when he's potty training. I'm not talking about that. Okay, so don't freak out if he does that. You know, they, they touch the time. So I'm not talking about that. It is like they're simulating sexual things that they're not supposed to, you know, you can see that's, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's not natural. It's not just touching. It's simulating stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then I will uh, be uh, cautious to, uh, to say, okay, there might be something wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. All the kid. Um, it might show a lot of anxiety, fear, and um, maybe, uh, you know, uh, anger outburst. That's also sometimes a, a big indicator that something is wrong, a lot of anger. And boys that has been exposed to pornography, I'm just putting an ad in here, anger mm -hmm. outbursts is quite common for boys that has been exposed to pornography. Um, that's just part of the stress they're holding in and that guilt and shame and, you know, it explodes in anger in some like illogical, you know, something happened like it's nothing and then they suddenly have this anger outburst. It sometimes shows up like that. So look for that cues. But what I want to caution parents actually with, because we know that bad touch, good touch, don't touch my private parts, mm -hmm. stuff like that. We give our kids that talk a lot, okay, because that's important. We've been raised like that. Mm -hmm. But you know what that I find? Our kids are not in getting molested. Oh, there is a molestation and all of that. But they are actually being exposed to sexual mutual masturbation and stuff by friends. That, in my mind, is actually not mm -hmm. okay, all right? Like mm -hmm. they are... As they move up to tween years, you know, they are, we have a nice family gathering, let's say, a family gathering, and we all is outside eating and whatever, and the kids is in the room playing Monopoly or whatever. That's what mm -hmm. we think in our mind. But mm -hmm. they say, the older nephew or whatever say, I've got this new game, and they're showing themselves stuff, and they're doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it for all the 13-year-old showing a 19, a nine-year-old how to do stuff and showing stuff. Mm -hmm. That's also a violation. I, I, I feel that's a violation. Mm -hmm. That right. eight, nine-year-old is not prepared for that. It's not that the 14-year-old is a bad kid, but nobody told him that that's not it, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then it becomes a vicious cycle. I can't tell you how many kids I see with the older nephews or uh, friends coming over and brothers or friends showing the little ones this stuff. And actually, mm -hmm. in my mind, that is a violation because mm -hmm. those kids are not supposed to be shown pornography. So a person, a pedophile or somebody would show a little child 
pornography and do right. stuff. But isn't this almost the same? You know, I don't want to mm -hmm. label kids, but, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, and that's for me more scary because we need to talk to our kids about this, okay? Because mm -hmm. it's not okay to play games in a closed door with friends. Because mm -hmm. we talk about this big guy, ugly, filthy guy, don't touch you. But mm -hmm. what about the friends? Okay. The people you <laughs> hang out with every day. Yes, and I, for me, that's more scary. So I, I would rather focus on that, or, or not rather, both. Be alert. <laughs> okay, parents, just be alert. But that's also, we tend to think the best of people, and that's good. We need to, okay? But be cautious, okay? We are in this uh, sex-saturated world, and, um, our, and those kids that's showing it for other kids, they don't know. Because they're so used to everybody is showing. And I've got this other teenage girl here in my office. And she said, oh, no, everybody's showing those pictures and sexting and stuff, um, break mm -hmm. time. That's not weird. And she's talking about vicious stuff that, you know, stuff that, like, I never saw that in my life, you know. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about, like, I see it every day. And, you know, and that's mm -hmm. violating her. her. I, she mm -hmm. doesn't want to see that so what the boys do is they tell them ah oh, look this cute puppy all right and then they're sitting mm -hmm. in a circle and then mm -hmm. they show the picture but then it's actually a youtube video of people right. doing stuff. yes so, exactly and then yeah. those kids check they have anxiety they have some fear that will show up for you mm -hmm. so check in check in with your children right so it's just I think one thing that we've gotten from this talk with you pretty much is check in, check in, check in. Yes. You can't check in enough with your yes. kids um, yes. just because I, I tell my kids all the time, I'm a 70s baby. There was no internet when I was little. I played outside. I didn't, I mean, we had one TV was mm -hmm. in the family room. There were no TVs in different bedrooms. So there was no opportunity there yeah. for it. But now everything is connected to the whole world because of the internet, <laughs> their phones, their video games, everything that you just have to be so careful. So I'm hoping parents hear that, like yeah. pay attention to what their friends are saying, but don't still, even if you suspect that their friends might be exposing them to something, the goal is to not, not they're, you're not in trouble. Yes. I'm glad you told me when that does happen, how do you fix it? I mean, if they're in school with them, do you go to the parents and how, how do you even address that? Yeah. So going to the parents, uh, you know, every school system I know, cause I work now here in South Africa, you're not mm -hmm. allowed to uh, approach like a parent directly. You need to go through the channels and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So um, it depends on the situation. I know I've got this other couple that it's like family members and they don't want to tell the family members cause they don't want to get the boy in trouble. And now if you go and get the nephew in trouble, um, the, you know, your son won't trust you again, you know, because he trusted you and he doesn't want his nephew to get in trouble. You know, it's all this vicious cycles and stuff. So I, my first caution to parents, don't overreact. Okay. Don't overreact by saying, I'm calling the principal. Are we never seeing them again? You know, because, you know, that's the worst thing you can do. 
First, focus on your child. Don't go and solve the world's problems and, you know, <laughs> go and sue, I don't know, the principal or something, you know. Focus on your child. Because uh -huh. what happens, I've got this one girl. Sorry, I've got a lot of stories. But I've got this one girl. Um, her, um, she was in, in school and the boy, uh, when they were in the bus, put his hand in her lap, okay, and mm -hmm. he touched her. And she, and she was very young. I think she was nine. And she told her mom. And mm -hmm. her mom went to the school and there was big ructions, big, big, big stuff happening. There was just like a war. <laughs> and the mom, so, and the, I'm not saying the mom is bad. I, she's a wonderful mm -hmm. parent. You want to protect your child. I, I, it's nothing wrong with that. I just want to tell the story in hindsight. Now she's now... At 34, she's seeing me here in my office. Now she's mm -hmm. quite older. And she said, well, a year later, one of the coaches, one of her sport coaches, actually did it again, but he took it further. And he actually completely molested her. He, he was like all over, did a lot of things to her. Mm -hmm. And she actually got pregnant by him, by her oh, coach. Yeah. Okay. Until this day, her mother doesn't know. Her mother doesn't know. Because she said, if she's going, I couldn't tell her because look what happened just with the hands on my lap. What would my mom do if she knows what he did? Mm. Okay, oh, so your overreaction, oh, please, okay, focus first on your child. Listen mm -hmm. to your child. Make them feel safe first, okay, and make sure that they will come back. Okay, because your overreaction is going to cause them when more severe stuff happened down the line. I mean, just mm -hmm. showing a, uh, okay, now it sounds silly, just showing it is a big deal, but showing a naked picture in a class setting and going to the principal, it's not as bad as being becoming pregnant by a guy, <laughs> you know, that's much worse. Okay, so you want, you, if you're over freaked out about that, are they going to come back to you? All right. So check in with your relationship with your child first and then pray and take appropriate actions. I'm not saying mm -hmm. we should not take actions. I just say first, first focus on your child, make sure they are safe. And mm -hmm. then let's talk, get some help, get a counselor in and say, okay, let's see what, a, or a social worker and see what, just don't just go and blow up <laughs> everything. <laughs> And the poor child is just like, oh dear, where can I put my head? I'm not going back to school like forever. You know? Right, exactly. Because then that teaches them to not trust you with yeah. with their secrets, I guess, so to speak. Yes. They have Stop. to know they're safe, but at the same time, they know that you're protecting them, but not blowing up the whole world. <laughs> Even though it's a parent, you yeah, might <laughs> You, you want to. I, I'm not you saying that mom is wrong. I'm not saying no. at all. I would want to do that as well. It's You want to protect your little one. I mean, that's uncalled for completely. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, there's a few stories like that that I know that happens. And yeah. that's why we first first focus on, on the victim. Okay. First help the victim. Okay. Because mm -hmm. we tend to like, if some, uh, you know, when the kids are fighting and maybe the one child is hitting the other one over the head with something and the mm -hmm. one is crying, a little two year old, what do we do? We go and reprimand the, the one that hit them, but we didn't go and 
comfort the one that has a bump on the head, you know? Right. <laughs> the bump on the head, but we go and, no, you don't eat them. You go and sit in the corner, whatever. So that's more or less the same thing. First focus on the one who's hurt, and then we take appropriate actions. Right. I, I love that. That is great advice. I just, I have a couple more questions and then I, I know that, I know it's getting late over there, so I, I, we will wrap it up. But um, in the discussion about sharing with your kids, and we're talking about young kiddos, okay, when they hit 16, 17, are you still doing check-ins at that point? Or how are you talking to kids about to become adults adults yes so they so when as your child is growing older you are first in like you're disciplining them when they're like little toddlers mm -hmm. and then you are um, helping them teaching them you're more a teacher role so mm -hmm. as they become then 16 18 your role change as a parent to a coaching role you are mm -hmm. a coach you just gently guide them or more like you're discipling them, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's not more like disciplining or teaching and preaching, you know? It's more like discipling. And that's the problem. If you don't gently move through the stages and you only say, okay, I'm going to have to talk now at 16 and tell them whatever they need to do and not to do, you know? Right. That's not going to be effective, okay? But mm -hmm. when you work through and you have a trusting, loving relationship with your child and they know they can come with to you with anything, all right? Mm -hmm. Then when they're 16, they're going to come to their coach, their relationship coach, mm -hmm. and say, well, mom, this guy wants to ask me on a date, but he, I'm not sure. And then you're not coming to preach. You say, okay, what, do, what makes you feel uncomfortable? What, what do you like in him? What mm -hmm. are you looking forward to be? Is he the guy that fits into your mind that, that, um, that is God-fearing and that, that would treasure you? Mm -hmm. Then you're not telling them what to do. You are gently coaching them. And that's a beautiful place to be if you can be there. Now, my kids are not that old yet, but I speak here out of experience with my parents. Now, uh, my parents mm -hmm. have this beautiful love story. And I'm 40. <laughs> And I'm still going to my coach, my mom and my dad. Uh -huh. And I will still ask them advice and uh, ask them about things. And my mom will check in if uh, I'm still okay with my husband and everything is okay. And so uh -huh. I'm checking in with my coach. So, but um, that's a relationship that has been built over the years. And uh -huh. I think that's something to treasure. And I'm treasuring my relationship with my parents. And I hope I will have that with my kids as well. Because actually, this is not just what I did with my kids. This is something something that my parents taught me so it's quite mm -hmm. unique <laughs> and I know it works so uh, that's why I'm so passionate of sharing this <laughs> hey, that's so so your and your parents didn't study what you studied they just yeah. had that type of <laughs> yeah so they just have uh, yes they are high school sweethearts and oh. they married and they are now 45 years married I think this year um yeah I think it's 45, more or less. I need to keep track. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and they doing life together. And they just, uh, mm -hmm. they went through hard times. They went through difficult cancers and stuff, but they're still mm -hmm. together enjoying each other. And I think it's important that we go and not always talk out of hurt. And I think there is important place for that. But also show some couple that worked, you know, and say, what did they do right? Let's, 
let's check in. <laughs> let's yeah. see what they did. And maybe communicate a little bit what they do so that we can also be successful. So mm -hmm. they inspire me to do this even more because even what they taught me, uh, what I'm teaching now is a little bit more different because then we didn't have porn. They didn't have porn. They didn't have all these things. Um, so uh, my things, I have more to do than what they did for me because we need to, all these things that we talked about now about friends, exposing friends and stuff, we didn't have that when we were young. <laughs> right. That, that's right. Yes. It's completely different. And it's getting, it's just getting worse as we go along. It's like all of these yeah. new things allow us to do so many great things. And we have, we can like reach out and touch anybody in a good way and communicate with people all over the world. That's the good part. But like you said, for every left, there's for every right, there's a left. Yes. And the left part is, yeah, but you can also get into some grimy stuff just by being out there. So it is different for our kids now. This has been so enlightening and, and so and so helpful. Is, is there anything that you, any advice that you would give to any parents or anything that we didn't talk about that you would say to parents about the talk? The talk. And everything else. <laughs> anything else, sure. Well, um, the, well, the first thing that I want them to send away with is to start the conversation. Start the conversation, all right? And then steer away from just saying no, no, no for everything. Give them a reason. Maybe that is what we didn't talk about. Maybe I can add that. Is give our children a reason, okay? And um, when they understand a reason behind certain things, like when I explained about vasopressant and how your brain imprints, that's a good reason to say, well, is this good for me to see this? Okay, so we tend just to say no, 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 and uh, don't go on dates. We're not thinking about, We. I get this, this one guy said his girl, okay, most of the guys, the fathers <laughs> would say, my girl doesn't go, not going allowed to go on a date until she's 18, you know? Mm -hmm. And then we just say, no, you don't go on a date until you're 18. Okay, okay, that's maybe good. But why don't you teach your daughter from eight till 18 on how to make healthy decisions and what's the reason for not going on a date, okay? Are you teaching them how to make wise decisions, how to discern between a guy that is loving or lustful, okay? So we just say no, but we don't give any reasons. So I would say no to my daughter. You're not allowed to go and date because we need to see what is a good fit for you. Do you understand the difference between a right and wrong or a wise decision? I can't see you making wise decisions. So when you are ready to do that thing. So can you see how important that reasons is? Yes. And there's so many reasons. I mean, there's a list of reasons. <laughs> but we tend to just say no without giving a reason. And I think that that is bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and we shouldn't just go for bad reasons like the screensaver. Um, I, that's why I also say uh, we need to show them good relationships like my parents. Okay. Mm -hmm. They did certain things right. So they mm -hmm. did say no for now, but it's not no forever. So when you say no for sex now, I'm looking forward for something that is worth waiting for. It's mm -hmm. difficult, but anything difficult is valuable. All right. And mm -hmm. special. So wow. give me that reason. That's a good reason to wait a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, save your eyes from this horrible porn and stuff out there. So start the conversation, 
Give your children reasons. Don't just say no without giving a reason. And mm-hmm. start where you are. If you're late, you're not too late. Okay, maybe you just need to catch up a little bit. But right. <laughs> it's never too late as long as you have as long as you start. Just start yes. where you are. Yes. If that's 15 or two or five or whatever, just start with the check-ins where you are and go from there. Yes, yes. Use the three questions and go from there. Yes. Now, Natasha, can can people, because we're in America, so can people reach out to you? Do you do counseling uh, over the pond or how how does that work if someone wanted to reach out to you and, and get your advice, your counseling for their children or for themselves? Yes, so there's different ways. So I do coaching over Zoom, okay? And Uh I do coaching with parents, more or less, uh, you know, I have a a coaching program for parents. I call Mm -hmm. it Let's Explain the Talk Parent Program. So um, you can do just a digital package, just do that, or you can join my groups online where Mm -hmm. we have like five couples or maybe just five parents, depending on which one you want to join. And then I do live coaching there. I also do one-on-one coaching, private coaching, um, when there's a little bit more maybe trauma or, um, you know, maybe they don't feel comfortable. (laughs) Then I will do one-on-one sessions as well. So I have a website so you can reach out to me from my website because all the programs is there and my contact details is also there. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to make sure we put that on the screen so everybody can see it. We'll have it in the show notes so that people can get in touch with you. Um, you, This has been so helpful. And it is just been, and you made it so easy and comfortable. I mean, you make it look easy. In the t- <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go drive my kid. Let me go pick my kids up and go for a drive. <laughs> go for a drive. Freak out. Like, you and I this has been so good and it's so wonderful and enlightening. And I love what you said about, you know, tying it into your value system and, and, and tying it into the right way and showing them what, what way is, is right based on your values. And, and for us, you know, it's Christian values because I'm like, okay, kiddos, you know, you, you keep telling them, well, you should wait till you get married. You should wait. But I have never told them why. Yeah. Why? That's important. Right. <laughs> Come on, mom, get it together. So I'm going to start with that. I'm going to start incorporating more why in in my talks with them because that changes so much because kids automatically want to dismiss what your parents say sometimes. But when you can give them a reason, Hmm. that's half the battle. So that's definitely Yes. You, have, you have definitely, did. this has been wonderful. This has been enlightening for me. Parents, if you guys are, are watching or if you're listening, wherever you get your podcast, you have got to follow Natasha Visser. She is awesome and, and just a delight. It, it's so much fun, but also so knowledgeable. So make sure you just follow her, find her and, and reach out and start having that talk. It's not scary. Now that we've talked, Natasha, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. ready. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we just wish you well. And thank you for being on the podcast and all the way from South Africa. So appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun.